Welcome, everybody, to episode 59 of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. With you, as always, is your host, Jay Stone. And we've got a really fun episode for you again. I know I say that every time, but I don't give you episodes that aren't fun. You know, that's kind of the whole point of this thing. Anyway, we've got three special guests this time. They uh, collectively are known as the Venomous Pinks. They've got a brand new album coming out on um, Spam Records, which, uh, if you recall back, a year or so, we had uh, Stefan Baham from Spam Records, their uh, founder extraordinaire. Uh, and now we've got uh, one of his bands, one of his newly signed bands. Again, they're called the Venomous Pinks. They've got a new album called Vita Morse that comes out on Friday, June 3rd. It was produced by both Cameron Webb and Lynn Lee, the latter of whom you know from Bad Cop, Bad Cop, the former of whom you know from uh, like half the Fat Records catalog I think he's produced. Uh, Venomous Pinks are going on the road uh, with Dead Kennedys and Necromantics uh, for a large part of the month of June, including their first uh, real trip to the East Coast. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, so our guests are uh, Drea Dahl, Gabby Chaos, and Cassie Jalali, uh, again, better known as Venomous Pinks. They are currently based in Arizona. Although Cassie lives in Los uh, in California, so you'll hear how that sort of plays into uh, the band dynamic. Uh, they're a really great band. The new album is really, really awesome. It's super fun. It's got a real throwback punk rock sound to it, uh, which is which is good. But it also sounds good. Uh, it doesn't sound like it was recorded in a boombox in somebody's garage on a cassette tape in the early '80s. Um, so it sounds like a good sounding throwback record uh it's really fun anyway um yeah this is a good one check it out episode 59 both laugh dying scene quarantine chat show venomous pinks right after the intro Welcome, friends, to episode 59 of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. We've got not one, not two, but three esteemed guests joining us this time. Uh, their names are Cassie, Andrea, and Gabby individually, but collectively they are the Voltron that is the Venomous Pinks. They've got a brand new album coming out on June 3rd on Spam Records that we're going to talk all about, Venomous Pinks. Uh, thanks for coming on Both Laugh. This is pretty awesome. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> I, I think it's only, it's either the third or fourth time that we've had a full band do this. So this is pretty, pretty awesome. And one of the bands was only two people. So it doesn't really count. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this will probably, so uh, for people that end up listening, this will probably be the first official episode of this show since the new dying scene website uh, officially launches. We have, for those that don't know, the website crapped out like two and a half years ago, and it has been just uh, an ongoing shitstorm in rebuilding it, but it is like almost officially rebuilt. And so this may be the very first real thing that happens on the new website is that we'll post this. So, uh, so that's pretty awesome. Yay. That's cool. Um, the way that I sort of, so this show kind of got its origin at the beginning of COVID because uh, 
Um, there were no shows to take pictures at, and I like to pretend I'm a photographer. Plus, the website was down, so I couldn't really do interviews. So then I said, oh, I'm a middle-aged white guy with a beard. I should do a podcast. Now we all have them. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I, really, my goal was to talk to people who had to people in your situation really who had to put plans on hold who were either in the midst of tours or staring down the barrel of long tours and sort of had to shift on the fly in and it's weird to think that more than two years afterwards we're still going through a lot of uh, those same issues but what would if you can rewind the tape a couple years what would 2020 have looked like if uh if the world didn't go to shit and close down (laughs) Well, um, for, yeah, so 2020 March, we had just came off that Bernie Sanders show and, uh, or yeah, the rally, the show. Yeah, that <laughs> uh, was the, the last <laughs> thing you guys did, right? Like the last thing was the Bernie Sanders rally, which yeah. is a pretty awesome last thing. Like if it had to stop there, that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool uh, bullet on the resume. Yeah, that was, oh, I mean, that's one way to go out, just like every news media and, and uh, meeting Bernie <laughs> Sanders. And that How was did like that come what, about. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that that came about from uh, you know how you get your those text messages from just randomly from like politic like their campaigns or whatever. And they're like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Will, you, will you vote for so and so? Well, I got one one day for Bernie Sanders, and it was like, um, can Bernie count on you to vote for him? And so I. I usually I am like the sarcastic smart smart ass in the band. And so I texted them back and I was like, well, I don't know, you know, can does Bernie support the venomous pinks? And I kid you not, I got a text back maybe like 10 minutes later and they were like, actually, did you know Senator Sanders? Um, he opened like a uh, youth um center and fugazi played at it so we're pretty sure senator sanders would support feminist punk rock and i was like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) and i was like okay that's cool and maybe a couple weeks went by and we got an email from uh their campaign manager from phoenix and they were like hey uh bernie's coming do you guys want to play the rally and um, I had no idea what that meant. I just thought it was going to be like a little small get together for like yeah, yeah, yeah. his supporters and like, yeah. oh, they need like a little band to play a couple songs. Like a little like, acoustic yeah. thing. Or, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, no, Bernie was going to be speaking <laughs> at this and it was at a huge coliseum in Phoenix and we had no idea. So um, that was probably the craziest 48 hours yeah. in, in a while because uh, Cassie lives in L.A., and so that the challenge was, is, well, fuck, like, how do we get, well, what do we do? Cassie, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. got, you got to come like, you know, and she, you didn't even know it too, Cass. You were like, I, I if it's just an acoustic thing, like I'm not coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were like, no, like he's talking. So like, you, you got to come. They want the whole band to play. And yeah. so based on, yeah, long story short, based on just a text message, being a smart ass is how we got to to open the show for him. Guess I should be more careful when I respond like a smart ass to those. <laughs> I just might be, thought it was... you might be playing to like eight, seven thousand people. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Was that the biggest show in Venomous Pink's uh, history? I mean, I'm sure there might be festivals, but yeah, I think I up think until so. that, with this lineup at least, up until that point, that was probably um, the the most people I've ever played to 
since I've been playing music. So does Bernie come out and like watch or, or like stand by, stand backstage and like, like what's his level of interaction with, with the band? He gave us a shout out. So that's, that's all right. (laughs) Yeah. And we met him, like we got to take pictures with him. Like he was so nice and like super cool. He was like, yeah, he was backstage somewhere while we're playing that's awesome and that's that's not long really before everything closed down right like a week or so yeah it was like yeah. right before i think it. the next week was like my work at least at that time was like oh we're all going home it was literally yeah. a week after so was there any real because i can't remember from that long ago was there any real sign that uh things are getting weird or dicey out there or at that point at the time of the rally i don't think so I just remember like at that time seeing these weird videos on Facebook, like of footage from China and like, but I, you know, I didn't really comprehend what that meant. And, and um, yeah, it wasn't until after that show, same with like, same with me. I work was like, okay, well you're working from home now and we'll be back soon. And here I am like two (laughs) years later, still working from home. So, yep. That's why. So my wife and my daughter put the uh, ivy up uh. behind us because it's like between having a middle school kid and me working full time and my wife working full time. Like we need so many designated spots in the house, so it looks festive now. But so yeah. So what would the rest of the year look like? How booked were you guys for for twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one? And like like how far out did you have stuff booked at that point? Yeah. So we were we, we had Canada. just. We were going to go to Canada and Brack Rock in Europe, which was like August, August time, Rebellion Fest. And we were in the middle of trying to figure out adding some dates to that uh, Europe run. And um, even Mexico, too. We were even talking about Mexico. We were supposed to go out there. Yeah, that's right. It was going to be a crazy year. (laughs) But, well, and it was, but for, it was, but, yeah, it was <laughs> very different reasons. Ugh. So, at what point did you decide to pivot? Like, were you one of the bands that sort of held on and said, "Well, you know, by June we'll be okay," or by September we'll be okay? Because you know, a lot of a lot of those sort of first dates tended to get moved from spring to summer, and then summer to fall, and then fall to the next spring. And so, like, at what point did you say, "Okay, we're just not going to do that stuff, and let's work on a new record"? Let's say. I think once we started seeing and, you know, how many people were actually like getting sick and, and dying in the hospitals and, um, you know, I have, I have type two diabetes, so, um, it's already kind of hard for me traveling. And so, uh, at that time, you know, vaccinations weren't like really rolled out yet. So we decided like, we were just going to take the time to, um, write new music and just chill chill out on shows until we all like felt comfortable and of course like the safety of our fans is was important is important to us um and uh yeah so we just decided to just focus more on writing and um it worked out for our benefit because we actually had time to figure out songs that you know, because Cassie had been in the band at that point for a year. And since she joined, we were just kind of like, go, 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 playing shows here in, in Phoenix, out in L.A. and San Diego and basically um, anywhere we could. And so I think like a lot of bands can relate. We, we just were forced to like 
stay home and actually deal with, you know, everything at home and, and, uh, it, it sucks, but it, it, we came out with some of like probably the best songs we've, we've written together. And, um, yeah. Did you write together? Like, like, did you wait till you were in the same room together to write and work on ideas or did you, uh, did you like do this basically? Did you do Zoom writing sessions since you're so sort of spread out and, and we're all just staying home home for a while? Mm. We, we, we would travel back and forth when it was safe. Um, yeah. But mainly Cassie would come out here because it, it was just easier because there's a place we practice out here. And we, we pretty much wrote a lot of the new material at the studio together because we work better all together just writing mm -hmm. with each other so but yeah we would send ideas but it wasn't until we got together in person there are bands some of which i've talked to for this podcast and i've learned all about like you know those of us that have day jobs where we use zoom and have like trainings and breakout sessions and stuff like that that would write albums uh in their little breakout rooms it's like <laughs> assign two of you one part and two of you like got to work on a melody for this song and Dewey, you got to work on a bridge for this song and then we'll come back together. And to me, I mean, it's, it's sort of a genius way to do it, but it's also like, wow, that's where we're at right now. That uh, hot water music writes an album essentially over zoom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's well, crazy. Yeah. It, I thought so too, but I mean, I guess, I guess it's a good way to keep you focused. I think it was the producer's idea because if, it, if they were left to their own devices, they would, probably still be writing it but i think the producer was like all right let's go let's go let's go um let's talk about vita morse uh it's a really good album it's the first full length and like a decade into the venomous pink sort of story arc we've got our first full length what took so long um <laughs> <laughs> uh, well thank you i'm glad you liked it no it's really uh, good and we'll talk about that part later yeah oh. i i don't know it just you know we just um we didn't have the right lineup and um to be honest we just we just didn't we didn't have the right group together and um i think that's kind of why we just always just was easier to release little eps and and um uh just you know do one-offs like that and then with this lineup it uh you know cassie just kind of she completed what we needed and um I, I hope the I hope the fans can will tell the difference when they hear this. Yeah, I think that really from the first uh, the the thing that I first noticed about it, a, I mean the album sounds great, but I think you can't go wrong really working with Lynn or with Cameron Webb. Um, but I think like it just sort of hits. Like Mercy is the first song on the album, and I know most people haven't heard it yet, but it just like it sort of punches you in the face right from the beginning. And then I feel like the album doesn't really let up from there. It's like, not to say that you leveled up because that's cheesy, but you kind of leveled up <laughs> like in terms of the ferocious, the ferocious sound. And in terms of uh, like, I think the subject matter, like you, you found a different level on this one. Sure. <laughs> she said, yay. <laughs> that's always good to hear. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Love pizza slice. It's a it's a, it's a classic. Our our fans at home, they freaking love it. Um, but you know, 
working with somebody like Lynn and with like Cameron and and Lynn just being like, you got to push yourself harder than what your your lyrics are. And I know you can do better. And especially with Cameron, too, um, they really pushed us to, like you said, level up and just push yourself more because they believed they believed in us and you I don't I don't know it's just yeah that's kind of cheesy but like yeah fans are yeah our, our our fans that know us from the beginning are gonna be able to tell that there's just this maturity to um the album and it's awesome how does that land when somebody like Lynn says look you got to dig deeper because I know you can do it is that like a a hundred percent positive thing or is that like a um like, is that an anxiety provoking thing? Like, well, you know, because Lynn's known for writing some pretty profound and serious and righteous songs in her own right. So so to have somebody like that be like, you know, you got to work a little harder. Is that uh, good or is that anxiety provoking or or both? Both. <laughs> <laughs> it brings you back. It, it, I think for me personally, it just brings you to reality, you know, like even with Cameron, you know, even pre-production was like, you guys can do better, like. Yeah, some of these songs are not finished, but you can keep going, and and we did. So it's you, you just have to look at yourself a little deeper. And we came up with this album, so it's like, oh shit, we can dig deeper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would not have been what it was without them pushing us like that, because what it was in the very beginning with the demos, like if you listen to the demos compared to what came out, it's like whoa, some of it is just like night and day. So. We, we needed that push for as scary and nerve wracking as it was like, that's, I mean, it just shows how good they are at what they do, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think that was like, um, you, you know, just letting go of the reins and trusting that Lynn and Cameron know what the fuck they're doing. And yeah. um, they're not doing, they're not saying these things to like be jerks or anything like that. Like, they just want you to do better but that definitely like increased my anxiety and i questioned <laughs> life every day and i was like why are we doing this i suck we should just go home <laughs> i almost quit oh no <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah like no for real like i almost quit the second week we were there and like totally i totally had a meltdown cried and stuff but like yeah. because they were pushing you or or yeah. pushing you in ways that just everything you like you're under the microscope when you're <laughs> so yeah. like you start to doubt yourself and like like dress said, so, like what am i doing here and is this yeah. even what i should be doing so yeah and they're not in no way are they like mean or anything like that it's no. just you, yeah, you, get, yeah. you get self-conscious you know like yeah. you you think like like drea was saying like oh i suck i'm not gonna like ah what am i doing here you know but yeah but in reality like you have like the other thing we remember too is like okay, like they see something in us, otherwise they wouldn't be wasting their time. And so that kind of just like brought you back in and was like, all right, we can do this. We're together. You know, we're, we got this. And uh, and we came out with this amazing album. That How I did wait. you guys hook up? How did you get uh, Lynn and Cameron on board? <laughs> um, <laughs> so again, I, uh, I am a firm, firm believer just if you don't ask, you won't know. And so I, you know, that's how like we've gotten a lot of the shows that we have and, and tours and everything. I just ask because the worst <laughs> thing they can do is say no, like yeah. tell you no, but I'll keep you in mind. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, at least I asked. Um, so Gabby and I uh, run, we ran a podcast 
pre-COVID with one of our good friends called Sound Sisters Podcast. Mm -hmm. And Lynn was a guest on it. And I sporadically said on the podcast, hey, you know, maybe you'll produce a Venomous Pinks album one day. And she was like, yeah, she was like, yeah, I could totally do that. And so that kind of just how the conversation started with her was like, hey, dude, like, so it's, you know, we're writing and would you want to like help produce this? And she was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. Yeah, she's such a force, I think, creatively anyway, that I could see where having her involved, like, she's not just going to say yes to whatever project comes along, but she's also like, but once she gets in, I feel like she's going to like dig her teeth into the project and it'll come out the best that it could. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Shout out to Lynn. Uh, and I had to miss the Bad Cop, Bad Cop tour. I think one of the last shows they played, I live in the Boston area, and I think it was one of the first and last shows that they played on the Homeless Gospel Choir tour because uh, COVID is everywhere. And I was like, I I don't feel right going out to shows necessarily because we have all these other events, like the stuff I was talking about with my daughter's events. I was like, I don't want to be the reason that I could, like me going to a show, bringing COVID home, then she can't go to DC or whatever. So, but the good news is that when you all are here in Boston, uh, my kid will already be in DC. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to uh come say hi in a couple of weeks oh sweet yeah i'm excited about that it's been i haven't been to a good old-fashioned punk rock show in quite a while <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be at the same place too and we'll talk about how that tour came about but um it, about the album specifically like you sort of referenced yourself tria that um the maybe some of the subject matter is a little more you know, pizza slices and on this album, let's put it that way, right? Which again is fine, but I think that there does come a point where um, songwriting becomes a little more seriously. When did you sort of realize the, like what direction the album was going to take? And ultimately the reason you sort of named it Vita Morse, like when did you realize that this batch of songs was going to be about something sort of darker and deeper? Yeah, I think it was just, you know, the whole pandemic, the panini and going through what we did, like, um, you know, we, we we lost a lot of loved ones. Cassie lost a, a cousin and mm. and um, from COVID. No, no, just during the. Yeah. yeah. And um, so much happened, you know, and it just. It couldn't help but shape the album, you know, just. Yeah the whole our whole everyone's world just changed you know but but then i feel like that also makes for like you have to make sure you're saying the right thing and putting the right sort of spin on all of that not spin that's maybe the wrong word to use but like actually doing justice to the weight of the last couple years and all the losses we've all had and all the changes we've all sort of like I, i can see where that might be um sort of difficult to sort of figure out exactly what you're saying about all that yeah I think um what what came down to it is like the three of us were humans we're vulnerable we've gone through a lot in the last two years and um here's us being vulnerable with you in the world and hopefully um we you know we did ourselves justice with it um I think also like working you know just going in there with Cameron and and him kind of guiding um, 
what he wanted to see with lyrics and stuff like that. Because when we went in on week one, um, the you know, none of the lyrics were really done. It was just more of like getting the drums down and, and finding that structure of the song. And um, I work better when I'm like have to turn it in like <laughs> the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just when I'm pressured like that, I can it just like I can just turn it out. And um, I don't you know, we me and Gabby collaborated on the lyrics, too. And, and um, we just, you know, have that dynamic together. And, and um, there's an array of songs, uh, you know, there is, you know, social justice on there and, and heartbreak and, um, you know, breakup. But we're humans and we're chicks and and, you know, that's just a part of what we went through. So. If that's a really great song again that people haven't heard yet apothecary ailment which sort of deals with uh addiction through a certain lens and that's a song that uh as somebody who i've spent the last my day job for the last 20 years has been working in like addiction substance use treatment and prevention and recovery and all that stuff so i tend to like those songs are really sort of near and dear to my heart and so i i think you got that one right um oh wow thank which, you which is not always a thing that I think people do. I mean, my opinion is whatever my opinion, but that's not a thing that I think people always get right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, that song, um, it was like right before COVID happened, I went through this crazy thing with a family member and we thought he was going to die. And, um, you know, it all stems from alcohol, alcoholism. Um, you know, I've had my own personal struggles too. And, and, um, you know, I've done stupid shit. I've done put dumb, you know, crazy drugs in my body. And, you know, I've done, you know, young, you know, yeah. be, oh, I'm so punk rock, you know, like that was just the attitude back, you know, when I was younger. But um, right. going through that trauma with that family member just kind of helped, you know, I had to get that song out. And um, yeah, and, and out came, you know, and I don't, you probably caught this too. Like if you just, the title is AA. Yeah, so, yeah right. Yeah. It's, it's tough to sneak those by me. Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, I think as well that one of the things that's sort of important and maybe even different about it is that it is sort of inspired by alcohol. But like we've talked a lot about, I mean, fentanyl is everywhere in the part of my country where I live. It's just sort of like decimated a couple of times. We had a really bad heroin epidemic. We had a really bad Oxycontin epidemic. And then we had a really bad heroin epidemic and then now we have a really bad fentanyl epidemic so and i think that we sort of focus on that except that uh alcohol use rates are like higher than they've ever been <laughs> or at least have been in in, yeah. in generations and the the place that i work for specifically deals almost exclusively with alcohol the last couple of years that's that's so, because it's so prevalent and we sort of forget about that we focus on the scary ones and fentanyl certainly scary but yeah. Uh, the, like I said, alcohol use rates, particularly amongst women and minorities, have gone up two and three and four hundred percent over the last few years. So, oh my gosh, it's, like, it's gnarly. <laughs> and I laugh because I'm nervous talking because it's because it's like so bad. Um, but yeah, to lighten the subject, you you got that one right. So, for what that's worth, <laughs> that, I, well, I appreciate that. How did uh, how did you hook up with Spam? Spam, uh, Stefan from Spam Records and Spam, all of the other stuff that he does over there. Was a guest on this show. Guys, probably 
probably about a year or so ago. He's such like an interesting dude. Uh, and, and he's got a really interesting thing going for him now, but how did you, how did that come together that he's going to put out the record? Um, well, you hold on. You just said he was like an interest, interesting dude. We're all, all, all three of us are kind of like, what does Stefan do? Like, it's dope. Like, <laughs> hey, like, like is, is this a trust fund? Does he have like a secret business we don't know about? He just, um, he's, he, he's I, definitely I have a, my take on it, but uh, <laughs> I didn't think about the trust fund piece. Love you, Stefan. Uh, yeah, no, he's definitely a mystery to us too. So, <laughs> yeah, he um, he just seemed like he was a cool like a kid who was just super inspired by the artwork and the scene and so he just like started making posters and then somebody in europe needed posters made and he just kind of became the guy and then now here we are (laughs) oh yeah he uh uh he uh slid on our dms so um oh really yeah no (laughs) he was just kind of like he wanted to put a seven inch out with us and it's just a random message like hey uh are you guys working on anything i'm like yeah he's like okay let's do seven inch and i'm like don't you want to see us play live or like you want to hear you want to hear what we're doing first he's like, like a no. zoom meeting or something <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Really? <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah so he yeah it just kind of escalated from there he was like are you guys working on an album are you gonna put an album out and i was like this was in COVID, and i was like yeah we're working on it right now and he's like okay i want to put it out do you want to hear it first? <laughs> He's like, no. I'm like, okay. And then um, Lynn suggested Cameron Webb. And I was like, hey, Stefan, like, um, is it possible that we could work with Cameron Webb? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> well, but, you had to twist his arm, but. Uh... <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, he's just been great. And um, so supportive and, and, uh, uh, yeah, we're really lucky to be able to work with them. So, yeah, probably like a month after he was on this show, he sent me, I got like one of those big poster tubes in the mail mm. and from him. And it was just all sorts of different, uh, spam records, like posters and pins and stickers. I was like, there's like, cool. just for, thanks for having me. I was like, Oh, that's <laughs> nobody yeah, does that. That's awesome. Yeah. Wild. The official release date is what July uh, June third. Yeah, is that like when the physical project will be out, or do we think are we like putting it out on the third and then vinyls out when it's out because that's all gotten messed up the last year or so. Hopefully. Thanks to Adele. <laughs> physical. Um, <laughs> I know the record plant is working on it now, so there's a really high chance that it, we will have them by June, but. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but at least digitally it'll be everywhere. And when did you actually finish finish recording? Like, when was it done, mixed, mastered, all that? We we finished the second week in the beginning of December, yeah. and then Cameron had it mixed in January, and then Andrew Accolade had it mixed by February. So that's pretty quick turnaround nowadays. Yeah, like really quick turnaround. Yeah. Like, like a lot of people are saying, oh, it's been 11 months. Like we've written entire new albums since then. <laughs> yeah, no, those guys are fast. So. Are they working with somebody uh, over there to press it? It's a Stefan mystery. I Yeah. I, I, Do you know Gabby? Yeah, I have no um, idea. I, I don't know who is pressing it, but I know he like 
it's he told me they're they're in production now so i i don't know <laughs> <laughs> don't know where they're coming if they're coming to the u.s or if they're going to austria like uh, mm-hmm. he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he will just tell me a tracking number or this is what's happening so <laughs> it's got to be pretty exciting to have like your first full length sort of done and knowing that it's like theoretically on the way to you or at least on the way to some country to parts unknown but but to know that it's like almost there is it still do you have that thing about having a physical copy of it that makes it seem different or maybe more real or whatever the right word is uh than than knowing that everybody can listen to it on Bandcamp or whatever I think so I think that's like one of the coolest parts about being in a band is actually seeing your hard work in front of you and, and going through the, you know the liner notes and 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 knowing um you know all your fans that are gonna read it and uh that's one of the best parts about buying records is just looking at the artwork and yeah it makes it it makes it like it solidifies it um because i can listen i've been listening to it for months on my phone but until i get on my actual record player like i'll be like yes we did it and now we got to do it again so (laughs) (laughs) what's the feedback been i know there's a couple of videos that have been out so far and what's the feedback been or do you do you tune that stuff out until it's like out out i've seen uh, positive feedback yeah i mean i've, I've, seen, I've seen good things but i i yeah. never know what people focus on but there was one there yeah. was one uh hey, hey. An, an, another punk news uh, well <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to say it, but I said it. Uh, they had a podcast episode, and I listened to it, and uh, I was like, "Damn!" And, and then you're like questioning yourself. You're like, "Well, what the fuck am I doing then?" <laughs> <laughs> what What do they call us? That that song? AA. It was too slick. slick. It's too, yeah. slick. Slick. It too slick. We're like, We've, what? We worked with Cameron. Like, yeah, it's gonna be yeah, a little slick. Was like. <laughs> One of them was like, oh, it's a little cheesy. Like, I really wanted to like it. But and I'm like, do they not hear like what you're talking about? Like, right. do they not know that, you know, and they're like, I don't know. It's a little cheesy. Like, I'm like, what? It's like coming from the heart. Like, what? I wanted to like it as such. A, I will yeah. say that, like, yeah. I, I did, I don't know, dozens of reviews when I first started with Dying Scene, like 10 or 12 years ago. And I stopped just because I ran out of like adjectives for drum sounds and shit like i just kind of like my brain kind of melted uh it's like it's punk rock um but just say i wanted to like it is such like a backhanded compliment like yeah and then we have that and then we have one of our friends we me and drasa they said uh it's the venomous pinks record is going to be the most anticipated of 2022 and it's like oh that's cool Uh, yeah (laughs) Like, like huh yeah, that's that sounds more accurate. <laughs> that sounds Aww. more accurate. Yeah, not so, to throw shade on any other punk news websites, but uh. yeah, no. So yeah, it's been mostly positive, and hopefully, um, uh, you know, may you know, people will like it. So I we like pe- it. Yeah, I as well. You should. I, it's yeah. a it's a really great album, and uh, that whole thing about it sounding slick, like whatever albums aren't recorded on like a Casio Walkman in your garage anymore. Like it, it's, it's okay to make things that sound good and listenable. And so that when you turn them up in your car or your headphones, like you can actually hear the different tracks in the back. You've like, those things are good. 
Right. And just, yeah, that was the other thing. So like older punk records sound like that because they had shit to record on. And oh, so right. um, <laughs> and that's what makes them great. But, you know, we live in a this technology age. And um, yeah. yeah. So with that kind of stuff, you just got to take it with a grain of salt. Like, yeah. I guess we're not, you know, we're not there's all different kinds of genres and we're, you know, we're just they got to see us live. Yeah. Come see us live and then you know, make your yeah. Yeah. Um, judgment, you know. Round two of Both Laugh, episode 59. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, so I'm sort of, I get, I think I was sort of blessed to grow up in an area of the country where we had uh, a punk rock scene, a hardcore scene in the sort of greater Boston area. And so I'm always sort of fascinated by scenes that exist in other parts of the country, particularly uh, parts that you don't necessarily that the wider audience doesn't necessarily equate with having like a scene. So obviously we know the Northeast LA, a little bit Seattle, maybe even Richmond, if you're into like the avail scene, but uh, what was, what is Arizona? So I know like authority zero obviously comes from Arizona and I know that Jimmy Eat world comes from Mesa, I guess it is, but what was the scene in Arizona for punk rock bands, for hardcore bands and, and, and all that. I'm sort of fascinated by, scenes other places especially when they're very different than mine i would feel i feel like uh the arizona punk scene has always had this just uh community like you know community aspect to it where everybody really does know everybody here um and uh, you know we've always had our our support here and um there's been a lot of great bands over the years um Gosh, Rare Eagles Dare was a really good hardcore band. Uh, Fat Skins, uh, Mob Forties. Um, gosh, just you know, just those are just some names. Or oh, Northside Kings are out here. You know, Danny Northside punching out Danzig. Um, oh right. Yeah. I don't know why I just saw that video again the other day. I, it, it's one of those things that's sort of like it's evergreen. It just pops up every every now and then. I don't know why I saw that. Yeah, no, we've got a we've got a pretty good scene out here. Um, some of the old schoolers live out here too, like Roger from Agnostic Front. Oh, okay. And that's how, that's kind of how we hooked up with him too, is because you know he's living out here in Scottsdale, and it was just kind of like introduced to him to him by like you know people around him, and and uh, again, I was just like, hey, Roger, you want to do some lyrics? You want to do some vocals on one of our songs? And he said, yeah. So that's kind of how that happened. Um, but that's pretty yeah, awesome. I think, oh, yeah, overall, like there's a big sense of community out here and everybody knows everybody. And um, it's um, big. It's big, but it's small, like a small world here. Yeah. How diverse is the scene out there? So I, I did say I'm sort of blessed to come from a scene that existed, at least. But the scene here has been overwhelmingly like guys like me, cis, hetero, like white dudes of a certain age and that's what the scene was for a long time um but is is the scene more diverse than that i would assume in other places or or do you still feel like like it's sort of siloed no i think um you know being in arizona we've got 
people of color here and different, you know, a lot of Chicano punks and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we're a big melting pot in Arizona. It's awesome. Lots of different types of people here. Which makes, I would think, for a much more diverse and probably vibrant scene. So yeah. as much as we like to give ourselves credit uh, in the Northeast, our scene is kind of like, our scene looks a certain way. <laughs> let's, let's call it what it is. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think uh, Arizona is notorious for people moving here from other parts of the country. And so that's definitely reflected in who goes to shows out here. And uh, yeah, we've just got all, well, all different kinds of people here. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you'll see like rockabilly and skinheads and just punk rockers and hipster kids like all over the place, like in a show. So it's nothing new to us. That's just how the scene is out here. Yeah. 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 I feel like so I, I technically I grew up in New Hampshire, uh, which our scene technically was like six people. Right? But so so we all went to like all the same shows. But and so you would get like like the rockabilly kid, like, like instead of having scenes, it was like, there was the kid who wore like, like combed his hair back like a pompadour. There was the couple kids that wore bomber jackets. There was like the one kid with the Liberty spikes, but like that was the scene. So you all went to all the same shows. So it wasn't like there were individual scenes in that area. It was like, if it said punk, you probably went to it because you sort of fit in one of those things, but there was only like, if you went to a show in New Hampshire, it was only like six or 10 people. <laughs> like it was all the same. It was all the same people. So none of those really existed as like bigger scenes. It was just like, like I said, the one rockabilly guy, <laughs> which is funny to be in high school with a rockabilly kid. And if you're a punk, you sort of get it. And everybody else looks like, why is he dressed like James Dean? Or right. like, like what's with the bomber jacket and the, and the Doc Martens, and then people think certain type of way. And, and so, Cassie, uh, you done, you are in California, yeah? Yeah. Is that where you kind of got into the scene? And yeah, I actually, I was, I was, I grew up, I born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, so I, I grew up going to shows in San Francisco, East Bay, Oakland, Berkeley, the whole nine two four Gilman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah, that like that like the my, Mecca for some of us of a certain age. Yeah. 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 That was my upbringing. So then going to uh, and getting in with a band that has a scene in another place, is it, that's probably offers an interesting perspective on what their scene is like coming from a place like, like Gilman street. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Still sort of like, uh, like diverse and all inclusive though. I mean, is there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, just like Drea said, same thing, like being in California in the Bay, it was same thing. It was a melting pot. So you had just everything, you know? So. What sort of drew you all to uh, punk rock hardcore? Do you have like, like defining albums or defining bands or shows that you went to that you were like, fuck, this is like, this is what my life is going to be now. Cause I feel like we all have those, was one or two sort of watershed moments where it's like, oh, guess I'm a punk rocker now. And that's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. And well, do you agree on those things too? Like for me, it was when I first moved to America, I was seven. 
So I don't know if it was just that pop punk was playing at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it could have been something else that I would have loved. Uh, but it was like Green Day, Blink. You got here at the exact yeah. right time. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that was it coming from Mexico. Like that just blew my mind. And that's kind of how I learned how to speak English too, just listening to the records and reading the lyrics and seeing what the hell they were saying. But since then, that's it was over. <laughs> Did any of that make its way to Mexico? I mean, I know you were little when you came up, but but was there um, any? Did that stuff trickle down? Um, not really, because uh, when I was a punk kid, they every time I would go down there, they 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 call me emo and like <laughs> <laughs> like like that we were not looked well upon. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They thought we were the devil and we're was gonna burn in hell. And I had green hair too, so like that yeah, helps really it, drive the point home. Yeah. yeah so it wasn't. I think now looking back, like just trying to find bands from down there, I think there's a bigger scene there and it's more acceptable from what I see, but I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> been down there in a couple of years, so, but I hear shows go off down there. So, yeah, I've heard things. I've heard Mexico city is uh, like, they know how to party. Yeah, they they know go how to put on the show. I, yeah. I, I used to go with my old band because I played for Union 13. Sure. Yep. Shout out to so Union 13. All, yeah. All, like all our songs are in Spanish. We go we go to Mexico all the time and it was just crazy. Like we played this huge like warehouse and it like it, people were just pushing their way inside. Like it, there was like over 500 kids in there and they're like, like the stage looked like it was going to just break. Like it was just insane. Like just bodies just flying everywhere. Like it goes off out there. Yeah. 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 I've heard stories about crowds in Mexico, crowds in South America that you don't necessarily expect. Brazil uh, is a place that seems like I, I don't really know how they get introduced to all the music that they do and when, but the crowds in Brazil are like three and eight and 10 times what they are here. And it's just like singing along to bass solos and sh- like, like, <laughs> like they're just crazy. And I wish, I wish that existed up here. That's sort Same. of like passion and intensity. And, and that's, it must be really sort of amazing to be on that side of the stage and watch it and know that those kids are there for you. And how about for you, Drea? Yeah. Um, let's see. So gosh, my first introduction to punk rock was watching time bomb on MTV as a little kid and being like, what the hell, what is this? <laughs> And, and, you know, Green Day, too, at the time of MTV. Um, but I really didn't get into it until I was in high school. And my brother was the one that introduced me to it. Um, he used to play, like, Misfits and, you know, stuff like that. So that was kind of, like, my first exposure to punk. And then um, it wasn't until I saw the Donnas in concert where I was yeah, like, yeah, fuck, yeah. like, Donna R is fucking amazing at guitar. I want to do that. And um, so I just started to like pick up my guitar more and try to, you know, learn. And I learned power chords. And um, my brother was in a band too. He was in a punk bar- punk rock band with the, you know, Mohawk and that kind of yeah. street punk or whatever. And so I would, you know, go to his shows and, and just kind of make friends in that little street punk scene in Phoenix. And then um, that's when I started to figure out like what kind of punk I really related to. And um, I, I feel like from my, you know, the Gabby and, and K 
podcasts, I like the older, harder stuff where they like, you know, like Blink and Alkaline and, and that kind of stuff. So we differ. We definitely differ in our punk rock taste. So yeah, yeah. it's um trying to figure out together making that balance um, and uh, just, yeah, make songwriting. Songwriting interesting. So yeah. I feel like I'm the one that wants to like fucking just scream my head off in every song. <laughs> but then Gabby, Gabby pulls it back and is like, no, nah, dude, like, let's just like, yeah, kind of be a little mel- melodic about this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if, if the misfits are sort of one of the, the bands that you listen to early, that sort of uh, frames everything else or the, puts a sort of lens on everything else the way that you like process punk rock going forward whereas if it's green day or if it's i'm surprised to say the donna's first off what an underrated band that band kicked ass right i was lucky <laughs> enough to see them uh i think only once um but oh, man, okay. that that band kicked ass yeah, um but i mean they were sort of they weren't on the yell and scream your face off side either so i'm surprised they that that not- would be the sort of like the the touch point for you but then to kind of go into the darker heavier stuff yeah i think it was just like seeing you know chicks rock out like that and their guitar player just shredding on guitar and and me being 17 in high school being like oh fuck like this is this is awesome (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. um uh I, i will say though that the adolescence blue album is you know something that i always go back to when i have writer's block and, and it brings me back to you know the punk roots and and uh anytime i need to like be inspired that's my one of my go-to albums so and that was an album my brother was like hey listen to this i think you might like it and uh yeah i was like this is fucking amazing i think that comes across on the new album i think there's definitely like like we were sort of talking about in act one uh that the album sounds good but there's definitely like a throwback like gritty street punk uh, influence to it that uh, that that isn't necessarily all that prominent nowadays. Except uh, unless there's unless it's a group of older white guys. <laughs> Truthfully, <laughs> uh, yeah. You, um, I'm really uh, like I said, I'm really excited for uh, the tour. Is this your? Did I read correctly? This is the first time really doing this sort of east coast northeast and any sort of a significant run yeah yep. yeah the, the, the venomous pinks go east yeah. you know we've always we just actually, done we, we remember we had a we had an east coast run book right before covid oh uh, okay it was only like a week so it, it was just like i i don't even, i can't even remember it was like i think like five shows but like we had our plane tickets booked for that too oh wow we were supposed to fly into baltimore i think yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now was like for sure set shows were all booked, everything. And then COVID <laughs> happened, but it's, it wasn't nowhere. Like wasn't anywhere near as big as this one. Like this one. Yeah. Was, these yeah. are, this is a big tour. Dead Kennedy's necromantics uh, in Boston. You play with a really rad uh, local band art thieves uh, who I'll be honest. I didn't know, like, I didn't know if they were going to come out of COVID. They put out a really great album, like, the 2019 or whatever the year was just before COVID. But then I never really heard from them and their guitar player plays in a bunch of other bands. So I figured he was just going to kind of do the other band. So I'm really happy to see art thieves on that bill too. But so 
these are these are big rooms. That place that you're that the tour kicks off in Boston, that's a big room. Is it? Oh man. <laughs> uh oh, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, I I can't. We've we've got a I don't know the the rooms in Boston now are all weird and it's not what it used to be. And don't get me on that soapbox for now, but it's a, it's a fairly new thing. It opened like right before COVID. And I think the interrupters were like the first um, band band to actually play there. Whoa. Um, it was like interrupters and shit, sharp shock and maybe skinny lister, I think, but it was a, it was an interrupter show. They kind of opened the place. And it was open for a couple of months. They do a lot of like DJ stuff. So it's a really, it's an oddly shaped place. And there's a lot of like cool VIP lounge areas. It's a really interesting <laughs> venue. We don't have another one like it up here. So it's pretty, it's cool when they do like punk rock shows there. It's a different sort of place for that. Like you said, no pressure, but yeah. that's, a, that's a good room. How did the, how did the dead Kennedys uh, thing come about? Is that just same thing? Just. I don't ask slid into your DMS. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we've been wanting to get with covert booking for a while and it's been a while since they've said no to us. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so I was like, Hey, like, Hey man, like if you need any bands for opening up or anything, let us know. And then he replied back with, okay, how about this tour? <laughs> and then that was it. So like, yeah. If you don't ask, you know, he might tell easy, you no, huh? but well, <laughs> Well, he did, they said no for a you know a couple of years, like, like five years. Everyone, no. all all the bookers were always like, "You guys got to tour more. You got to tour more. You got to tour more." And we're like, "Cool, we're touring more." And oh shit, COVID. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he fi- he finally caved. He finally caved, and yeah, she uh, Gabby asked, and he had this you know this opportunity. And um, first it was like Dead Kennedys, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, the Necromantics are on it too." And I was like, "What in the fucking high school is this?" Like. <laughs> What? Well, dream you know? come true. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was, I feel like that's one of, I feel like there was a dead Kennedy show that was supposed to be at that place here. Big night live that got canceled sort of early on in COVID. And I remember thinking, wow, that's a really like, they've done a lot of those sort of old school punk rock shows, which is fun to see at like this new fancy sort of like dance club where I don't know, Steve Aoki just played or whatever. Like, it's fun to see that sort of like juxtaposition of old school punk rock bands playing there. But I feel like there was a show booked there that was going to be Dead Kennedys before uh, COVID shut down. So I'm glad that they're like doing those rooms. They're such icons. Yeah, I'm uh, freaking out. I'm just <laughs> like, you know, like these are bands I've listened to since I've gotten into punk. Yeah, you know, Dead Kennedys and Necromantics, and like, never, never in my wildest dreams that I think oh, the Venomous Pinks are on their fucking flyer with them. Like, uh, what? <laughs> like, yeah, not just like those what? little letters. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. It's just I don't know. Well, but be be proud of yourselves because I think that, like I said, I think people are really going to dig Vita Moors. Hopefully, hopefully you have them in your hands at some point on tour. I don't know exactly how that's going to work. That might be a little early, but um, because people are going to, people are going to dig. Yeah. We're hoping that we have uh, actual vinyl copies for the starting on at the Boston date. So fingers crossed. (laughs) That's what, like, that's only a couple of days. I think after the album comes out, right. Four or five days after. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited. 
Thanks for coming on and doing this. I won't take up uh, too much of your evening. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, 